Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. He's mad as heck, and he's not going to take it anymore. I said heck. <laughs> I, I, I revised a classic movie quote into heck. Yeah, network man. Have you ever seen that? Have you seen that recently? No, I've never seen it. It was on Netflix streaming, and I had it in my instant queue and passed it up. Well, you should watch it again because you'll watch it now and go, man, when was this made? So far ahead of its time. Oh, really? As far as like how things are in the media. Like uh, coma. Yeah. But when you watch Network back then, people said things like, how ridiculous, like stuff like this could never happen. Oh, I see. It's prescient, right? Very much so. Yeah. I'll have to watch it then. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, uh, is it like, um, what is it? What's that Aaron Sorkin show? I don't like Aaron Sorkin. News Hour? <laughs> That's, yeah, that show stinks. Is that what it's called? News Hour? New, uh, Newsroom? Newsroom. Yeah. I, I didn't care for it, other than the fact that it stars or guest starred Mr. Paul Schneider, who's one of my one of my boys. So uh, sometimes people accuse that show of being preachy. What do you think? I just uh, I'm not a Sorkin guy, so he's a little wordy for me. I liked West Wing. I didn't watch it. You never watched West Wing? Not one episode. Guarantee you, you would like it. You think it was he he? I hate to say this, but it was like his his masterpiece. From yeah. beginning, I'm not kidding, Chuck. I'm telling you this as somebody who didn't like Studio 60, who doesn't like Newsroom. <laughs> West Wing, from beginning to end, was just really great. I'll try it, but I swear, the way that guy writes, I'm always just like, nobody talks I'm like that. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. But this cast of characters, All right. the characters that he wrote, the All actors, right. they they pulled it off. I've never seen I'll it I'll give since. it a shot. I do. Paul Schneider's not on it. I'm coming it, to your house this afternoon, and we're going to watch them. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess that's the segue for no fly zones. Not a bad setup because, uh, this is political and presidential. Uh, I have something actually. I have a bit of an intro. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear it. You've heard of the, uh, Wright brothers, Dayton's pride, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Oh yeah. Conjoined twins. Yes. No, they weren't. I uh, know. Okay. But they did fly. <laughs> they did build the first airplane. Yes. That flew. Uh, and they flew it out at Kitty Hawk, North uh-huh. Carolina. Yeah. And after they had that flight, uh, actually, I think before they undertook that flight, while they were still in the development stage, uh, they went to the United States government and said, hey, War Department, you want in on this action? Not once, not twice, but thrice did the War Department turn the Wright brothers down. Say, what good are planes in warfare? Exactly. <laughs> Luckily, there was a uh, very smart person heading the post office department who said, okay, Maybe you shouldn't drop bricks out of airplanes onto people's heads, but we could use this to deliver the mail. Martin Van Nostrand? Right. To heck with the auto gyro. We're going to start using this Wright (laughs) Brothers plane to deliver mail. And for three years, the only uh, aircraft that were in service under the United States government was for delivering mail. And then a postal carrier and as a pilot accidentally dropped a mail bomb. Right. And they went, wow, that's a good idea. That works very well. Yeah. Yeah, It didn't take very long for the War Department to be like, oh, okay, maybe we should use this. And by 1914, the um, aviation section of the Signal Corps was set up. And all of a sudden, planes were militarized. Within just years of their invention, they were being used to murder people. Yeah. And this article points out in uh, 1937... Spanish fascists uh, dropped a bunch of bombs on the town of Guernica, 
100,000 pounds of explosives uh, killed 1,600 people. And Yeah, well, not only was it the explosives, people were running out of town and they were gunning them down. Really? Civilians, yeah. So That's what fascists do. As outrageous and horrible as that is, it was definitely the beginning of what would be a long romance in warfare with the plane. Yeah. You had the uh, the Red Baron, Eddie Rickenbacker. Yeah. Uh, it's a very long, bloody history mm-hmm. associated with planes and war. Um, when the, the fascists in Spain uh, used planes to take out a lot of civilians, the the world was, you know, appropriately disgusted. Sure. Wasn't a whole lot that could be done. No. It w- actually wasn't until the very early 1990s that people figured out a way to use planes to thwart planes from being used against civilian populations by their own government. Yeah, I thought no-fly zones had been around long before that, so this was very eye-opening. I had no idea that it was in the 1990s when they first did this. Right. No-fly zones are new. They've only been used three times. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Like, it just seems like there's just, it's something that they just commonly do. Yeah. But it's kind of a big deal to issue a no-fly zone, and the reason why is because what you're doing is intervening in a sovereign nation, undermining the power of the ruler of that nation. Choosing sides. In a way, you're saying, at the very least, I'm not going to let you just slaughter these civilians. Right. I'm not going to cast my lot one way or the other, really, but I'm going to protect these civilians. And uh, it takes a, a United Nations mandate to, to even get started. That's right. So um, you want to talk about the first one? Yes. Uh, let's hearken back to the spring of 1991. Mm-hmm. I'm in college. Okay. Drinking a lot of beer. That's where I first discovered beer. I was drinking a lot of beer, too, and I wasn't in college. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. I wasn't we were drinking about beer. That. Um, so 1991, I remember sitting around and watching like this stuff on CNN for the first time, like being interested in politics, really, for the first time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's kind of when I got into stuff like that. Well, that was the first war that was really televised. I mean, Vietnam was. Oh, yeah. But this was the one that this is the first one that had like 24 hour coverage. Yeah. Was the was the first Gulf War. And it was spectacular to watch. Uh, it was pretty enthralling, especially when you're, you know, 20 years old and you're sitting around with your friends drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at that scud. Safe in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Um, so what happened there was, uh, a, a guy named Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. He, um, was not doing very nice things to the people in <laughs> Kuwait. Well, well put. <laughs> and the Kurdish minority in northern Iraq. Yeah. Was encouraged by American radio broadcasts to, to, revolt <laughs> like take a stand and so they did and Saddam Hussein um sent gunships and with napalm and chemical weapons and helicopters cuz that's that's what you do that's what he does when you have a civilian population that's unhappy with your rule yeah and so they fled basically hundreds of thousands of them uh kurdish civilians fled um, and sort of got wedged there at the Turkish border. Yeah, because the Turks were like, yeah, we feel for you, but stay there. Yeah. So don't, don't cross over here. They didn't have food and water, and H.W. Bush, uh, President George H.W. Bush, and the allies in Europe said, you know what? Oh, boy, I don't know what to do here because we kind of encouraged these people to do this, and now they're stuck in a between a rock and a hard place. Right. And But we really don't think we should invade and remove Saddam Hussein like with all of our might. Yeah, let's give that another 10, 12 years. Exactly. Or we could go to the UN in 91 and say, hey, how about passing a resolution against this guy? Right. That's which what they did. Which they did. They said, okay, we're going to um, 
deliver humanitarian aid to these Kurds who are trapped along the Turkish border. Yeah. And Hussein, if you do anything to interfere, we're going to bomb you. We're going to yeah. take on your guys that you send to interfere, mm-hmm. at the very least, right? Um, and not only that, we're establishing a safe zone for these people. It's above the 36th parallel. And uh, if you send any planes over there, we're going to take them on. So this is what we're yeah. going to call a no-fly zone. It was the first one. And Saddam Hussein went, no-fly zone? I've never heard of such a thing. That's stupid. And the UN said, that's because it's brand new, jerk. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm the first one. He went, first. <laughs> Firsties. So um, they did this. And then in 1992, a second no-fly zone um, south of the 32nd parallel was established to protect the Shiite Muslims. Who also rose up under the yeah. encouragement of the United States. If you're interested in this kind of thing, check out Three Kings. Oh, great movie. It was a lot to do about that. It was after the uprisings had started and also after the time the United States didn't yeah. come support them. Remember the one scene where uh, when the guy made Marky Mark drink mm-hmm. the oil? Yeah. That was hardcore, man. I thought it was a little over the ham-fisted of David O. Russell. You think? Yeah. You don't like that guy, though. you got problems with him, don't no, you? No, I like Three Kings a lot. Okay. What else has he done that I've seen? Silver Linings Playbook you didn't like. Uh, I thought it was okay. Yeah, see? You don't love him. <laughs> I, but I like Three Kings a lot. I thought that was a good movie. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, No Fly Zone is going on. Saddam Hussein violates said No Fly Zone. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, well, what's going to happen? Let me send some jets up there. And we responded by, or the coalition, I should say, responded by shooting down these aircraft or destroying just, you know, military targets on the ground. Because that's, as we found out, one of the parts of a no-fly zone to be effective is to also bomb, like, radar equipment and right. stuff on the ground. That can get jets up in the air and guide them. Yeah, disable their force. can also find your jets. So you want to disable their force, like you said, but you also want to protect your own force. The thing was, this is very new. Uh, the UN was a little squeamish at the idea of undermining, a, a, again, a sovereign ruler, a sure. jerk, yeah. everyone agreed, but still a sovereign ruler and kind of one of the stabilizing forces of the Middle East, whether the U.S. liked it or not. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of said, yeah, protect these people, but just really, it, you got to take it all in a case by case basis. Can't be the least bit aggressive. You have to be completely reactive. Yeah. And even then, maybe we should just kind of chase them out of the no-fly zone rather than shoot them down. Right. Over time, after sortie, after sortie, after sortie, they started just by attrition wearing down Hussein's defenses and his um, his air force. Yeah. Just because he kept sending them in, we kept shooting them down. Until 2003 when we, you know, went in in full force and took out Saddam Hussein. Right. The northern part and the southern part of Iraq was off limits to Saddam Hussein yeah. for 12 years, his own country. There was yeah. a wide swath in the middle that he could move around in, but anything else he wasn't allowed. Okay. So those are the, that's the first use of the no-fly zone ever. Right. Uh, in the early 1990s, uh, when Yugoslavia broke up, um, NATO forces said, all right, how about another no-fly zone? We're going to authorize this one. Uh, it's 1993 over uh, the breakaway region of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Mm-hmm. It was called Operation Deny Flight. Which is terrible. A little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> we want to talk about on the <laughs> <Yeah>. nose. <laughs> David O. Russell named said uh, mission. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it was going to block Bosnian Serbs who controlled all the military aircraft in, in that region. Right, and who much. were using it against all of their neighbors that they were um, going to war against, specifically the um, Muslims. Yeah. Serbian Muslims, right? Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Um, so the, I guess NATO undertook that no-fly zone. 
Yeah, that was number two. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was a little more aggressive, I believe. They went after, they'd learned from, you know, uh, I guess about eight years of yeah. the Iraqi no-fly zone that you really kind of have to go after, like, military installations sure. and anything that can be used to violate the no-fly zone. And maybe even go a little step further as punishment. Like, not only is is are we going to shoot down your plane, we're going to maybe blow up your base. And pants you. Right. In front of everyone. <laughs> right. So that was the second no-fly zone. Yeah, um, the third was even more aggressive. Yeah. Against uh, Gaddafi just a couple of years ago in 2011. That's right. And it lasted about six months, I believe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was extremely effective. Yeah, well, that's because they authorized, um, quote, all necessary measures to protect the Libyan civilians. And that was, uh, you know, that meant a lot of a lot of bombs being dropped. Right. A lot of cruise missiles taking out um, bases on land. And this one was um, named by Ang Lee. It was called Operation Odyssey Dawn. It was the result <laughs> of uh, UN Security Council Resolution 1973. Yeah. Which is confusing because it was carried out in 2011. That's right. But uh, basically it said, you guys, we think Qaddafi is totally nutso. Um, and he's going to kill a lot of his own people. Yeah. Go in there and declare all of Libya a no-fly zone. And NATO said, okay, let's do it. Right. So uh, U.S. and British-led NATO coalition kind of took the reins. That's right. And turned this 680,000 square mile country, which is about 1.7 million square kilometers, uh, into a a no-fly zone. All of Libya was a no-fly zone. All right. So since this is a new thing, it's there is no, as this article says, playbook. There's not like a, a... exact way that these go into effect. It sort of depends on what you're dealing with, what mm-hmm. countries you're dealing with. Right. But the first thing that you have to do, according to Chapter 7, Article 42 of the UN Charter, is uh, get the 15-member UN Security Council on board. Right, which sounds easy, but sure. it's not necessarily because you have five permanent members, the UK, France, the US, China, and Russia. And China and Russia love to veto anything sure. that the US, the UK, and um, France are all about. Um, which is good. It's called a balance of power. Yeah. But um, specifically with Libya, France or uh, Russia and China, they were against it. Yeah. But they were um, persuaded to abstain from the vote because all it takes is one one permanent member nation on the Security Council to veto and it's done. Yeah. I wonder what that persuasion entailed. I don't know. You know? Looking the other way on human rights violations, maybe? I have no idea. But I'm sure it wasn't just as easy as, hey, you mind sitting this one out? Sure. No problem. Right. I'm drunk anyway. <laughs> so um, the uh, the UN resolution for the Libyan uh, no-fly zone, um, it, it's a pretty good example of how this kind of thing can work. So no flights in Libyan airspace, bans all flying unless it's a humanitarian mission, carrying food or water, or getting out um, foreign nationals who are in like bad places. Yeah. You, you're allowed to do that. Other than that, no fly. No fly. And um, it's not, uh, you don't just shoot down any plane on site. No. Uh, when you're patrolling the no-fly zone, if a, if a plane is flying in Libyan airspace, you want to first figure out if it was there accidentally or if it's hostile. And if it's hostile, you go back to the ground and say, hey, man, can I shoot this thing down? Yeah. Well, first got to figure out who's who's doing the shooting. You know, you got to set it all up. Like oh, who, well, yeah. Who's going to be enforcing all this? I was just jumping ahead a little. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got to figure out who's who's in charge of the operation, basically, 
in the in the case of Libya, it was NATO, and um, then you establish the rules of engagement, right. which which is partially has to do with, hey, do we shoot first and ask questions later? Right. Do we check passports? How's this going to work? Right. And, and like you said, in Libya, it was pretty aggressive. Um, the first thing that happened on day one was the uh, U.S. and I believe the U.K. sailed warships off the coast of Libya and started shooting uh, missiles into Libya's interior, knocking out military installations, radar installations, yeah. as much of the Libyan military, as, or at least Air Force, as could be destroyed. 112 Tomahawk cruise missiles. Boom. Yeah. Uh, each one precisely shot. That's right. And uh, I love the article says the goal is to shape the battle space, in quotes. Yeah, that's a euphemism, <laughs> huh? Yeah, big time. So um, after this, they send in the drone surveillance aircraft to check things out, yeah. see what's going on. And did you get the impression the U.S. is kind of showing off a little bit? Like, we, we'll, we've got some missiles we can use, and then afterward we'll send in our unmanned drones <laughs> and make sure everything's bombed. And then after that, we're going to send in radar jamming equipment just in case you have anything left on the ground. Right. We'll take care of that, too. Yeah. That was the first, like, two days. Yeah, and Gaddafi's his Air Force was, you know, they called them vintage jets in this uh, in this article, and that's, in that case, vintage is not a good thing. <laughs> right. You know, it's from the 1960s. It's old gear, basically. It's vintage, not retro. That's right. Um, so, it's, it's still, it was effective, it worked, even beyond the fact that... Um, the jets were vintage, and we crippled the his, his radar system, his Air Force military installations. Um, there was still a lot of uh, shoulder-launched rockets yeah. in Libya, an estimated 600 to 1,500, I believe, that like during this time, Gaddafi was handing out to people who were on his side. Yeah, and Saddam Hussein famously offered a, a bounty on any aircraft shot down of like 14 grand. Which I thought, why not fifteen? You know, yeah, that was a weird number. I wonder if that up. if that makes like a significant round number in Iraqi money. Oh, maybe so. You know, huh? It's a lot of denarii. Yes, thank you. You shouldn't invest in those, by the way. That's a big scam. Invest it, in denarii? Yeah, have you heard of people doing that? No, it, it, it's a thing where people buy up Iraqi denarii and thinking you know, like they're going to hit it big one day. Uh huh. You shouldn't do that. Why? Well, it's just you do a little research, and it's it's sort of one of those scams. Is it? Yeah. So, like, if you bought denarii from a legitimate currency broker, it's still not a good investment? No. Huh. I know someone who did it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Is it possible it's going to come back in 10 years? Uh, I doubt it. Are they going to go euro? I don't know. Huh. But, yeah, that's just a sidebar. Okay. That was a nice one. Save your money, folks. So we were talking about the, the possibility that... Uh, a NATO jet or uh, any jet patrolling a no-fly zone could get shot down by some dude on the ground. Yeah. It, it hasn't was, happened. No, but it could. That had to be one lucky shot. It raises one of the concerns. Uh, actually, it has happened. It hasn't happened from somebody on the ground. Yeah. But it raises a concern, a risk, that um, we're sending in people, again, into a sovereign nation. Sure. That maybe has to deal with his own problems. Yeah. And... Um, we're putting our people in danger for that. Most people, I think, myself included, side on the idea of going in and protecting civilians from certain slaughter. Sure. Um, but it, there, I do agree that there is a risk as well. And um, Scott McGrady, remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Owen Wilson. Yeah. During the uh, Balkan War, 
during that no-fly zone, he was shot down, I guess by a Serbian plane? Uh, it was a surface-to-air missile, but... I don't oh, okay, know. so it, somebody has shot down somebody from the ground. Well, I don't know if it was a person. Okay, well, he was shot down patrolling a no-fly zone. Yeah. And uh, he was in very big trouble for a little while. Had he not been quite the survivalist, who knows what would have happened because the Serbs were hot on his trail. Yeah. And he spent six days evading them. Yeah, he did a really good job and emerged a hero. Yeah, he ate ants and and lived on collected rainwater and avoided the bad guys. Yeah. And eventually got through uh, a radio signal and- and To Gene Hackman. Picked up. Yeah, Gene Hackman was like, we're going to get you out of there. Yeah. (laughs) Uncommon valor. Man, that was a good Is that what you were referencing? No, Gene Hackman was in the Owen Wilson movie, too. Oh, was he really? I'm pretty sure he was the one that was in charge of saving him. Oh, man. Well, he's he's always going in and saving. Sure. In Uncommon Valor, it was his son who was a yeah. Vietnam POW, right? Yeah. <laughs> God, that was good. Randall Tex Cobb. Yeah, what was his name in it? <laughs> I don't remember. I, that, that movie came out at a great time for me, though. It was yeah, like, the perfect movie. age. Uh, he wore like a, uh, a live grenade around his yeah. neck, remember? <laughs> yeah. That's the second time we've talked about Uncommon Valor in like two months. Uh, when was the other one? I remember. I, I don't remember. I do, do remember talking about yeah. it. Probably when. The, what happens if the Earth stops spinning? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> um, so you got anything else? I guess we had the opportunity. Oh um, yeah, to yeah. to really invade Libya, and and President Obama said, you know what? Let's not do that. Um, let's not do the the regime change game. Well, a lot of people are like. We shouldn't be there in the first place. Right. A lot of other people are like, this is a half measure. If you're going to go do that and just yeah. wipe out somebody's military, you might as well do a ground invasion and take over and topple the regime. Like you said, Obama was like, nah, let's give it a shot. And he was proven right in Libya, at least. Yeah, because even if you take out their air defenses and their air offenses, I guess, they still have way better weaponry and stuff on the ground than these uprising forces do. Right. And it worked in Libya. It didn't necessarily work in uh, the Balkans. A lot of people point to um, the slaughter at um, Srebrenica. Srebrenica. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 7,000 Muslim uh, boys and men were killed Yeah, by the Bosnians. It's who genocide. Are being, yeah. Who are being tried for war crimes because of it. But the no-fly zone didn't do anything to pre- prevent it. That's right. So, I mean, is it effective? It can be. I'd say that we don't have a large enough um, body yeah. of, of work to study from here. We need to get some more going. Get some more no-fly zones? Yeah. I remember how creepy it was after 9-11 when all the planes were shut down. Remember that? Oh, yeah. It was just so odd. Yeah, it was. You don't realize how used to the sounds and the chemtrails and... Chemtrails. The chemtrails. <laughs> we did an episode on that. Didn't on we? comtrails, or do chemtrails? We, we did chem. We we, we did our contrails chemtrails. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, okay, I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. If you want to learn more about no fly zones, you can type uh, "no fly zone" into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. Uh, and before we get to the listener mail, let's do a word from our sponsor. All right, listener mail time. Yeah. Okay, Josh, I'm going to call this um, "Pushy Kid Gets His Way." <laughs> okay. Which I try not to do, but this, this everybody loves it when pushy kids get their way. This is a shout out for a teacher. Uh, this is Jack, and Jack and I had been emailing each other, and he says, "By the way, Chuck, I think I told you in the past about my civics teacher that listens to the show. Uh, this week we have a special project in this class: is to make a podcast about one of these Supreme Court cases we've been studying. For some hints, we listen to tidbits of your show, and my teacher and I just grin from ear to ear at each other 
like a really funny inside joke because they're like the only two in the class that listen. Gotcha. Um, I plan for my pseudonym to be either Chuck or even Chuckers, if you would allow. I give you permission, sir. Okay. Uh, he says he sees himself as a younger version of me, which is frightening. That's nice. Um, although the actual content of the show is more like This American Life because we are required to have call-ins. This American Life doesn't have call-ins. Uh, Do they? I don't know. I don't think so either. Uh, I will always think to myself that I'm sitting there in your little studio. Uh, if you can give my spectacular teacher, Mr. Kristoff, a shout-out, that would be mind-boggling, stupendously incredible. But I understand if you can't. Mr. Kristoff? Yep, Mr. Kristoff, civics teacher. And I said, sure, Jack, I'll do that. And then he emailed again from Washington, D.C. and said, I hate to seem demanding, Chuck, <laughs> but if you could also mention Mrs. Kristoff, because I have her for math and I don't want to make her feel left out. So if it's too late, I get it. I can't complain. This might be the best day of my life, after all. Have a nice long weekend. And that is Jack outside Washington, D.C. And Mr. and Mrs. Kristoff, good job listening to the show, and we thank you for using it in your classroom. Yes, thank you to the Kristoffs, Mr. and Mrs. Kristoffs. Thank you for shaping young minds. We appreciate that. Yeah. Shout out. Uh, and way to go, Jack. You're a cool dude. Um, if you have a shout out you want us to give, Chuck gives in on those pretty frequently. Sometimes. <laughs> You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Uh, you can join us on Facebook.com uh, slash Stuff You Should Know. Send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And go to our website, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 